Hello, coaches. Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. This is episode number 44. This episode, hey, I got a a close friend of mine. His name is Coach Max Rook. I was a great fortune to coach with uh, Max um, for three years at Tattnall Square Academy. Uh, I was the girls basketball. He was the uh, head soccer coach. What a great person. I'm so excited to kind of get in connect with Max again. Let's talk a little bit about his career. Max Rook has enjoyed four highly successful seasons as the associate head coach of the Pepperdine women's soccer program. The 2018 season will be his fifth with the Waves. Since coming to Pepperdine prior to the 2014 season, he has been part of three NCAA tournament teams, 2014 Sweet 16 and 2016 and 17 second rounds, and two WCC titles, 2016-2017. He's been part of a staff that's earned United Soccer Coaches West Region Coaching Staff of the Year honors in both 2016 and 2017. Rook joined the Wave staff after serving as an assistant coach at both Illinois Springfield and its alma mater, Mercer. While at UIS, Rook has also served as director of coaching for the Springfield Area Soccer Association. Before joining the staff at Mercer, Rook worked as the head coach for both the boys and girls soccer programs at Tattnall Square Academy. In his time at Tattnall, he guided the boys team to two Georgia Independent Schools Association GISA State Final Four, 2005 and 2008 along with a GISA Regional 3 AAA Championship in 2005. Rook was named the GISA Region 3 AAA Coach of the Year twice, 2004-2005, as well as the GISA State Coach of the Year in 2004. Rook also brings many years of collegiate and professional playing experience to his position. Playing collegiately for Mercer University, he earned all academic honors in each of his four years. He was twice an All-South American selection, 2000-2001, and was the Atlantic Sun Conference Player of the Year in 2001. He served as the team captain in each of his last three seasons, and in 2005, he became the first male soccer player in school history to have his jersey retired. His professional experience stretches overseas as he was also a member of the Great Britain national soccer team playing in two world championships and also with a professional Reading football club. A native of Reading, England, Max graduated from Mercer in 2002 with a Bachelor of Arts in Communication and a minor in Education. He currently holds his NSCAA Premier Coaching Diploma. Rook is also noted motivational speaker who has developed a program to help individuals and teams master their mental game and elevate performance levels. MaxRook.com Max and his wife, Noelle, have been married since 2008. Noelle is currently the assistant women's volleyball coach at Cal State Northridge. They reside in Oak Park, California. Coaches, let's welcome Coach Max Rook. Coaches, how are you? Hey, make sure to check out my friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. They were a main sponsor of my Legends Clinic last year, 
and I got to see in person why the Dr. Dish is undoubtedly the best shooting machine on the market. I'm super excited to get one in my program here soon. As a matter of fact, it's already in the process of being ordered. The technology and versatility of the machine are unmatched. Make sure to check out their product lineup and their new Dr. Dish CT machine on their website at drdishbasketball.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at drdishbball. Mention this podcast and you can save $300 extra on your next Dr. Dick, Dr. Dish purchase. Get one soon. This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast. Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Hello. Hello, my friend. You are live. Hey, <laughs> on the wow. championship vision, man. Hey, I'm so Kevin. glad to have you. Kevin, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's great to, uh, great to connect again. And, um, yeah, you're one of my idols. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks again. I tell you what's interesting about this, Max. And, of course, I, what I do is I always give an introduction before and everything. So I, and your resume is unbelievable, man. You're a, you're a true rising star in the soccer profession, man. You've you pretty much done it all. No, I um, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled. I think that there's, uh, there's when you have a passion for something, then uh, it never really feels like, feels like work. And so I, uh, I, get to, I get to come to work every day and, and try to help. Uh, right now I'm working with Pepperdine University, but it's, um, the whole journey to this point has been nothing short of amazing. And you've obviously been a big part of that. So every day is, is a true blessing. You know, when, when you love what you do, like it's, it's been amazing. So um, no, I, I I'm truly am grateful and blessed to, to get to do what I do and then also get to do it who I do it with. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I know the listeners are going to kind of really hear from a, from such a grinder, like you I mean, you're doing a lot of things to help out not only players, but other people in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, can you tell about, uh, tell about your journey? Like even as a young kid, I always try to get the background of everybody. How did your journey as a, uh, a young kid, soccer player, to eventually now, you know, you're just you're you're fully engrossed into this soccer coaching. Tell us a little bit so the audience can kind of get to know you a little bit. Sure. Tell us about your journey. Sure, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so. You started out originally from England and started out as a young boy with uh, a boyhood dream. Like I think a lot of players or a lot of people in England, they want to grow up to be a professional athlete. And I had that same vision. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And so my journey took me uh, from originally from Reading. And uh, so I got to play for Reading Football Club, which is a high level professional team. And so I grew up in the ranks and in the academy ranks and got to play for the first first team and got to experience that that environment and that culture, which is, which is very, it's a high performance world and it's, it's can be cutthroat at times. And so I learned a lot in that, in that, uh, that part of my life. And as a young person, I'm still trying to figure myself out and then also trying to fulfill this dream. And, and they got to a point where, where I was, uh, I was told that maybe at Reading football club, I, I didn't have what it took for them to become professional soccer players. So my, my journey took like a, 
a, a detour a little bit. And there was a moment where I had a choice to make and it was, and I, I never forget it. It was, a, it was a choice to continue down that path of trying to become a professional soccer, soccer player in England. Or at the time, what was emerging was this opportunity to come over to the States and make a career of, of playing soccer and getting an education and doing things in America. So I just remember like at that point, saying to myself so many other people are, are trying to do do the same thing and i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna be different i'm gonna try and I'm, I'm gonna try and be somebody else i'm gonna try and go off the beaten path a little bit and so i made the decision to come out to america and that's almost what well, yeah just just turned 20 years ago and um it literally changed my life forever and i came over here and i came to Mercer university played uh played soccer for Mercer university in macon georgia and had a really good time there got a great education and that and that led me into really the next progression of my life, which was understanding that the game had, had given me a lot, uh, playing some world championships, uh, got to play in two world championships in, in Korea and China and got to see a lot of the world and I got to meet a lot of people in the game just, just continued to give me so much. And, and so after I graduated from college, I realized that, you know, I think the next thing for me was to give back to the game what the game gave to me. So that, that ignited the passion for coaching and teaching and just becoming... Um, maybe like a, a, you can almost call it like a like a like a, a provider and a, and a service provider and trying to help other people and inspire them to do the same things that I did. So, so that's when I became a teacher and I met you, Kevin, right at at Tatnall, and I became a high school <laughs> teacher and a coach, and we had some amazing years together. And that was the beginning of me understanding, like kind of like my craft and my profession and and uh, what really teaching was about. And then that led me to understand. Um, like leadership, if, if you will. And then that then progressed me into um, figuring out what the next phase was. And, and that was, for me, it was like there was, the high school was one piece, but then obviously you've got college, you've got club, you've got professional. And so as I got more and more into it, more and more opportunities came my way. So I got the opportunity to, to then become a college coach. I met my beautiful wife, who is also a college volleyball coach. So then she had some, uh, she had some opportunities. And so then in our relationship, a lot of, you know, that's what I love about my wife is she's so supportive of me, but I'm so supportive of her. And so there was a point in her career where she, she felt like she wanted to take a position. And so the reason I left Tatnall and our reason, like our, uh, our relationship at Tatnall kind of ended was, um, was I supported my wife and went to Illinois. She, she pursued a, a position and I, and I decided you know, I'm, I'm with you 100%. We're going to make this work. And so I, I stepped down from everything that I was doing and followed her, not knowing where it was going to take me. And I actually, I actually knew the head men's coach because I was working in the women's college game. I knew the head men's coach at the same university. So then I, to stay in the college game, I flipped from the women's side to the men's side. And that in itself was another learning process of understanding the difference between, um, you know, males and females in terms of how to coach them and, and what works and stuff like that. So that was another phase of, of my development. And then I also got linked in, I became the director of a club. And, and so then that, again, from the leadership standpoint, I was running, I was running the club and the system and trying to put in place a philosophy and a system of, of how to coach and how to, how to, how to teach leaders and so on and so forth. And so then that was another element of my, of my development. And then finally, our ultimate goal, my wife and I, my wife was from California, so our ultimate goal was to move back to the, uh, to the West Coast. And, and they're just, I think God works in amazing ways. And he just placed an opportunity in, in our hands for us to um, come out. And, and I got the opportunity to become the assistant coach at now, and I'm now the associate head coach, but at Pepperdine University, which is in Malibu, California. It's a Division One program. And, and it's back on the women's side. 
And so I asked my wife, you know, what, what was in the best interest of us? And she said, you know, let's do this thing. And so we moved out here and now she's, she's a also still coaching college and she's a head beach coach and an assistant volleyball, uh, assistant indoor volleyball coach for uh, Cal State Northridge. And I'm mm-hmm. currently working as the associate head women's soccer coach here at Pepperline University and getting to work with some amazing people and getting to help them in their endeavors and help to run a, a high level program. We compete at a high level and um, yeah. And so that whole journey from player to coach to leader has been, has been a long process, but it's been a rewarding one as well. And I, I find that uh, I talked to a lot of people about that, that the, the destination is really not, is not the most rewarding thing. It's, it's the journey and it's who we meet along the way. And you've been a part of that. And I, I've been fortunate to meet so many great people and um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm so blessed, so blessed. I'm so grateful. So probably a little longer than anticipated, but, uh, but no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm grateful for, for everything that's come my way. And this podcast is about sharing and I, and that, that's amazing your story because I just think you're a true success story. And I think a lot of coaches, Max, whether that's basketball, soccer, volleyball, they need to hear that story because it's a tough road. And but I tell you what I saw from you at Tattnall, I saw a guy with tremendous joy coaching. That's, that's what I saw. Uh, yeah. You love what you did, man. You attracted people to you. I remember that vividly. Of course, I remember you, you know, <laughs> kicking the, trying to volley the ball around the, 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 the uh, track. Uh-huh. You know, I, I mean, you were so tight with the ball, man. I love you for that. And you were, you were just true passion, yeah. true joy. Yeah. And I think that's really needed in coaching, don't you think? I mean, just I that, that passion and love. Do you lose it at the college level? Or, I, I think, mean, because I know a lot of coaches are all business now. Yeah, I, I, think that's a, I think you bring up a great point, Kevin. I think that um, ultimately your team goes as the leader goes, right? And whatever – Whatever you put at, I almost liken it like this, whatever you put at the top of the pyramid, if there was a pyramid and, and, and every, every decision-making process within your organization or within your, your club or within your, you know, your college team, whatever it's going to be, it doesn't matter what sport, or maybe, maybe even not even in sports, in business, but it's like whatever's at the top of that pyramid it drives every decision that you make. And so, as you said before, I think that there are a lot of people and winning may be at the top of that pyramid, you know, and if winning is at the top of that pyramid, then it seems to drive every decision-making process. It drives, it drives what you focus on. It drives how you treat people. It drives how you treat your players. It drives how you treat people that are on the periphery of your program. And so um, what I'm blessed is, is, is along the way, I had a lot of people that poured into me and I felt like what inspired me to, to do what I do today where there are some special people that showed me what the game should be about, which is about love and passion and gratefulness and kindness and, and, and being a part of something bigger that you couldn't do by yourself. That's why I love so much team sports. And so, and so being able to replicate that and to, to show that to the people that I've been, I've been entrusted to work with, I think that's an important. And, and so, yeah, I think, I think that every day you show up, it's the energy that you bring to your practice. It's the energy that you bring to every team meeting. And I think your players will, will feed off of that. And so, yeah, I think your team goes as your leaders go. And, and one of the things I, I think is important to say right now when I talk about that pyramid is here, here at Pepper, and I, one of the things that I think makes our program special, and I'm so proud of this, is that, um, you know, if you asked us right now, what is at the top of our pyramid? You know, if you said, what is it, what is it that, that runs our program? And we have 
we have the fortunate opportunity each year to compete for a, a conference championship that's you know we've won it two of the last three years we find ourselves we've been ranked in the top 10 in the country in division one uh we find ourselves you know pretty consistently in the top 25 so we're talking about working with some pretty high level players in a pretty competitive environment but if you asked us what what drives our program it's not winning it's developing women of character that is at the very very tip of tipping point of our of our of our program and so every decision that we make within our program is with that in mind it's not really about the the results it's about the process and it's about developing women of char- character and helping our players become and live into who they're truly meant to become you know and so when you when you make that small but significant shift it changes everything within our program and it changes our energy it changes our focus it changes what we do day to day and i think we've seen some some results because of it and some significant success and people look on the outside and say how are you able to achieve, achieve the success that you have had and we turn around and we say well we don't focus on winning they're like ah oh, you're lying i'm like no that's, we we've we've taken our eyes off of winning and in the process, we've won more than the program's ever won in the last three to four years. And a lot of it is because of systematically reconfiguring what is important within our program. And I think it shows up day to day. And part of that, going back to your question, is part of that is showing up with joy and passion and energy and never forgetting that the love of the game and the love of the sport and the love of being around people that you enjoy being around is the most important part of it. And everything else kind of falls into place. Yeah, and I think you're, the top-level coaches that I, I speak with are saying the same thing, same message. Yep. And that is, it's just, it's about, you're right, the process, the details. Uh, many of the coaches I speak with um, recently, they're really uh, Christian-based. Mm-hmm. And that is, they, they put, um, their why is they, they are playing for Christ. Absolutely. And not everybody can do that in the public sector. Sure. Um, but but what, they, what they're saying is, it's not all about the game. Sure. I mean, sure. it's about everything, developing character. And I love what you said about uh, developing women of character because I think we, we forget about that stuff as coaches, don't we? Yeah, I think we forget about that. It's not about results. Yeah, we do. And, I, and it's, um, you know, we had, I, I know you've have a, in your basketball world, you've got a lot, you know, the John Woodens and some of these people that um, have become sort of just people that, that, that keep uh, – they stand the test of time, I guess. You, you come back and you say, like, well, who do, you, who do you model your coaching after? And, and there's certain people that come back and you look at those people and what's able to stand the test of time is, is as you said before, is a, is a foundation that's built on things that you can control, things like character, um, things like energy, think, things like teamwork and, and understanding that your culture is going to be able to drive the things that you want. So really, um, you know, for us, the sport of soccer and our program is the vehicle to teach life, you know. But in that process of teaching life, what we also teach is exactly what works on the soccer field to be able to be successful. Um, but, uh, but that is, I think, is, is really important. And as you said before, when you look at some, I know for me personally, when some of the, some of the coaches and some of the research and things that I've done, you, you quickly find that the top level coaches that, that last, that stand the test of time, they focus on, as you said before, the character and the, and the things that, that are tangible, the things that make sense and the things that they can control. And, um, and that obviously is a, is a huge part of what I believe has made our program 
very successful. Um, even before I was here, the head coach that I worked with, he's been here for 25 years, and he stood the test of time. And, and, um, and when I came in, we, we, we instantaneously like hit it off because we shared the similar, a similar value, which is, is that the sport of soccer is a vehicle to teach life. And, um, and yeah, and it's, 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 a pow- it's a powerful, powerful thing. And going back to the last thing I'd say is going back to what you said about a lot of Christian-based coaches, they, they say they're playing for Christ. Well, we say your higher purpose, you know, whatever your higher purpose, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But when you, when you put, when you put the, the com- competition of sport and it, and it allows you to push you towards something higher, a higher purpose, whether that's Christ or religion or whatever, it's, it can be anything. But when it pushes you to play for something bigger, something stronger, and when you can align with that, that's, that's a special thing. That's a special thing. And when you see people perform at an elite level, I think you find, you see that they, they're playing for something bigger than just, just the W, right? Or just the, just the wins. So, Yeah, and, and my podcast, it's called Championship Vision for a reason because I think your greatest coaches have a vision. Yeah. Um, and that's what I want you to share. And then I, I also want my listeners who are primarily basketball coaches, but it doesn't matter – when you're talking about the intangibles, right? It doesn't matter whether it's basketball or soccer or whatever. Share, what is your vision at Pepperdine? What, what are your core values? What, what, you already said it, yeah. but I want you to kind of just talk about it a little bit so our listeners can, um, you know, take some, heed some advice. Yeah, no, I, um, no, I, think, I think it starts from the top down. So, so having, a, having a vision, having a mission, as you said before, I, I love the idea of vision and, and I think that to have a clear vision, you need to have a, a mission statement. And so one of the things that we, we started a few years ago was to create a clear mission for our program that led us towards this idea of developing women of character. So you can say it, but how do you do it? So we created a mission statement and we have our girls recite it. They can, they can, you could ask any player on our team and they could, they could say it right there on the spot. You know? and so we say that our mission is to live a life of constant ascension through the pursuit of a higher purpose, excellence, and competitive greatness. And that drives us right so that drives us that becomes the fuel and the energy which we which we we daily show up to our our environment and and try to make things happen and so that mission it, it's the words in there are there for a reason so everything was specifically chosen with a with a with a you know an intentionality right and so our, our mission is to live a life of constant ascension know that we're constantly growing we're in process every single day and saying ascension like ascension is not a straight line when a lot of people when they think of success oftentimes you might think about a straight line it's like well it's easy ascension is going to be it's going to be tough there's going to be ups it's going to be downs it's not a straight line ascension is is tough right and so we chose the word ascension right through the pursuit saying that we're always challenging challenging ourselves to live a little bit better each day to raise the level to raise the standard so it's the pursuit of something the pursuit of something greater um and then the three pieces that that we believe are important to our program is higher purpose always keeping our why front and center we're a christian-based school so for us too that's 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 god that's jesus and that's having that higher purpose excellence so the way in which we live into a higher purpose is choosing to every single day show up and know that um you know i i like to say this how you do how you do anything it's how you do everything I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite statements. How you do anything is how you do everything. And so being able to show up and live a life of excellence, not perfection, but excellence, because perfection to me is one of the most disempowering things that we can have because it's, it's the lowest, to me, it's the lowest common human standard. 
perfection because you're never going to reach it. And oftentimes all perfection, all perfection does is it, is it prevents us. It holds us back. It, we live in fear. So, so for us, um, yeah, it's excellence, the pursuit of something bigger and then competitive greatness. We always tell our players that we are trying to, you know, we're in a competitive environment. And so we have to be competitive. And so for us to have competitive greatness in there shows that for our players, you can be an, you can be an amazing human being, but you can also kick you know what on the on the field, you know, and not and not and be okay sure. and be okay with that and be okay and know that you're going to do it in a dignified and do it in such a way that you're honoring yourself, your team, and whoever whoever's important to you. But but you do it in such a way that you're exemplifying good character and excellence and all those things. So we never make any qualms about wanting to be competitive, but it's, it's about the way in which we do it. And then underneath that, we have, we have different core values. Um, we have different systems in place that challenge our girls to, to be able to, to live into that each and every day. You know, we create a competitive environment. But, but yeah, but from the top down, it's our mission statement really is what drives everything. And then the last piece I would say is, is as I get asked this a lot, people will say, well, do you have, do you have rules? You know, do you have rules and do you have like, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, teams sometimes they will have, yeah, rules that they'll set. You know, you can't do this and you can't do that. We don't really have rules. What we have is a set of values and those values really drive our process. And so, and so I think it's a, it's, a, it's a small shift, but it makes a big difference. So instead of trying to catch people in the act of doing something wrong, you're trying to catch people in the act of doing something right. You know, and it's a small thing. It's, 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 you know, the carrot versus the stick rules are there to be broken. And then you're trying to prevent people and saying, well, you did this wrong. Whereas I think when you have a set of values and you, and you reinforce the values, when you see it done, done well in your program, Hey, so-and-so great job. I'm proud of you. You did this, did this, then you're reinforcing the things that you want to have happen in your program. And I think that's a different way to, to, to get what you want out of your players. And so we kind of move away from rules and we stick more to our values, but our values align with our mission statement. So everything is driven towards trying to live into our mission statement. And it's been pretty powerful for us because it takes the pressure off of winning. We're just like, if we live into our mission statement, then everything else should take care of itself, you know? And so we rarely talk about winning. We rarely talk about even game to game. We don't really talk about the concept of winning. We don't really talk about, we have to win this game. We don't really have to do anything. We just, we have to live into our mission statement. We have to, we have to be our very best every single day. And if we do that and we're process driven, then generally everything else kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. And it's so true. And um, that's something that, um, I have learned over the years. Of course, I'm, 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 I'm older and I'm still learning that, you know, that culture drives behavior. Sure. sure. And if you have the right culture, I mean, it's so important. As a matter of fact, the, just the details of what you're doing every day, rather than focusing on the results. So important. Yeah. Max, tell me about the division one level, because you guys are definitely doing the right thing. Your culture leads everything. But what I see at the division one level is coaches getting fired after two years, three years of not winning. Is that a major problem? You're there at the D one level. I see coaches getting fired for having 500 seasons. Are they getting fired um, for wins and losses? I mean, tell me why is there so much pressure? I know the money's there, but why is there so much pressure at your level? That's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I would I would say this. 
we yes there is there's there's obviously pressure and at the division one level just like just like i'm sure there's you know many other levels are the same way but especially like you say the division one level there is there is an emphasis on winning there is an emphasis on the only way to keep your job or to or to be considered be considered successful or to be deemed successful is to win and to win big and to win championships and to go deep in the NCAA tournament. And so there is that in the back, in the back of your mind always. Um, but I go back to Pepperline university. One of the things that I think is, is clear from this university is that when you look at our, 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 pro, our athletics program in general, what you're going to find is, is that, as I said before, like whatever is at the top of the pyramid, right, Kevin, go back to the top of the pyramid, whatever is at the top of that pyramid drives every decision-making process. So if you have an athletic department that is solely focused on winning and a winning, and, and that is the most important thing. And really to be cut through, that is the only thing that matters, then it drives every decision. And so when you see these consistent turnovers, I believe it's because of that in mind that that decision to fire a coach or not fire a coach is based on the premise that are they are they doing what is what is being asked of them at the highest level in terms of what is the most important thing. And then here at Pepperdine, you used to have coaches here that have been here for like the, the guy I work with has been here for 26 years. There's coaches that have been here for 30 plus years. And I think it's because Pepperdine, their model is different. They still want to achieve the same things, but the way in which they go about it is different. And so when you re redefine or reconfigure where winning and where championships fit in your model, I think for us, what it's, what it's allowed us to do is there isn't as much pressure because we know that if we are developing women of character, if we are academically um, graduating pretty much everybody within our program, if all of our girls are going on. We have girls that go on and play professional soccer. We have girls that go on and play for the national team. But we also have girls that go on and become teachers and doctors and educators and um, business people and whatever. And if we are doing that, but we're also winning at the same time, we're also doing it in a way that is, that is ethical and, it's, um, and there's integrity, then I that is also success as well. Um, does that make sense? And so, and so, therefore, therefore, our our program here at Pepperdine, we we don't, I don't, I don't say we don't feel pressure, but I just think that we define winning in, in different ways. And so, depending on what program you're in, depending on what um, what athletics director maybe is in is 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 in charge, I think it's going to determine what parameters and what rules are set to define success. And and that's why I think you see you get you get a lot, a lot of coaches that get fired because of their definition of success. And um, and here at Pepper, as I said before, um, developing women of, women of character that is a level of success, and we've done that at a pretty high level. We've won championships as well, but our main goal is to develop women of character, and we feel like we do that pretty well. And you do. You're, it sounds like to me you, you're at a great school. By the way, I mean it just sounds from the top down. That's the key, right, Max? From the top sure. down. The culture starts at the top, yep, right? Yep. And it starts with um, starts with our starts it, it starts with the athletic director, you know, and then it works its way down. It filters yes. to the head coaches, and and obviously being one of the associate head coaches, so it, it filters its way down. But for sure, for sure. Now, Lorenzo Romar is your men's coach, Correct. right? Yeah, awesome guy. Yeah, and I'm a I'm a big fan. If you met him, tell me about Lorenzo. I I'm a big fan of his. I know he was at Washington, and yep. I know he's really enjoying Pepperdine from what I read. Yes, uh, he. 
well, I've got to I've got to meet him obviously um, at different staff meetings, different events, and see him I see him uh, walking around campus and stuff. Uh, I've got to sit on a few of his practices, and it's just a great guy. You you mentioned earlier about which I really appreciated. You said about how I conducted myself with energy, and and um, and that was something one of your takeaways from me. And I I feel the same way about Coach Roma. Like when he steps onto that floor, there is an expectation level of of how things need to be done and the level at which they need to be done. And I think that that just right there, just, just the way in which he's raised the level and the standard and the expectation of how things need to be done from the defensive side to the offensive side, to the guys that aren't involved that are on the sideline to their coaching staff, to the managers. Like if you're, if you're on the floor, like, you know, I, I came in, I came in the, on sat in the corner one time and I watched a practice and, you know, I felt myself having to like, you know, shift up shoulders back head up like I needed to be engaged because I was worried he was going to say something to me or two you know like if I'm on the floor like he he just expects a level and and not in a negative way in a really positive way and so I think that uh, as a leader you know from the moment I met him you realize that he's a guy who understands his X's and O's he understands the game but he also understands how to lead people you know and I think that that's a special quality and um and he gets the best out of his players. And you saw it this year with the WCC tournament. I think they were one of the lowest seeds, but they managed. They had a couple of upsets, and they made it all the way to the semifinal of the WCC um, conference championships. And, um, and that does not surprise me based on being able to step in and sit on a few of his practices. But, um, but outside of that, a truly humble man too, and always has time for you. And, uh, and I've enjoyed my conversations with him and will continue to – enjoy picking his brain as, as, as long as he's going to be here as coach. Yeah. And that's a sign of kind of what kind of person and coach you are. When I, I, I just, I've been around long enough to know that your coaches, you're always learning. It doesn't have to be a soccer coach, Max. Yeah. It could be a Lorenzo Romar or a volleyball coach or anybody there, man, you're always learning. Right. And this is what my podcast is all about. I know a lot of people yeah. are going to really learn from you. And I, I think that's cool that you sat in his practice and actually learned what a great coach does. Yeah. Yeah. And he, um, I remember him doing a, a, it was a simple, it was a simple like uh, three on two, two on one type drill and um, or like a layup drill and they're going back and forth. And, and I just remember him stopping it and making him do it again. And I'm like, all right, okay. You know, and then they, they, they did the drill again and he stopped it and he made him do it again. And it was for time or something like that. And then he, made him do it again. Well, anyway, my point being, Kevin, is, is that I think that there is a point maybe, and you might have experienced it. I know I've experienced this, where you're like, if you know you have a, a, a plan of how practice should go and you know you have a certain amount of time, you're like, okay, this needs to be done, but at what point is it going to be at the expense of other things we need to work on? And so, and so this, is, this, to me, kind of typifies what I, what I took from that practice is he did it again and he stopped practice and he made him do it again. And it got about three or four times in. I'm like, well, probably he's just going to let it go because they have to get to the next thing. And he stopped and he made it do him again. And he stopped and he made him do it again. And he stopped. And, he, and this, this carried on and on until they did it right. And I just remember thinking in that moment, like he just set the tone for how the next however many years are going to go under his tutelage. Like right there, it was one of his first few practices. And he's like, no, this is how we do it. This is the standard. And he didn't cave in and he didn't back down. He said, this is what I'm looking for. And we're going to keep doing it until, until it's right. And I just, um, 
again, it was a little thing, but I was expecting him to be like, you know, maybe lower the standard a little bit to make it, but he didn't lower the standard. He's like, this is, this is my expectation. And, um, and again, just the, just the, the ability to, to stick to his guns and to stick to what he believes, I think is a true testament of a leader too. And um, that was very insightful. I, I was there and I just, it was, it was pretty cool to see. Let's carry that to uh, what I want to hear from you is um, how do you put together a soccer practice? How, how, what's your formula? And I want to ask you this. I believe that soccer, soccer curriculum and development in the United States is far and above what we do at the basketball level. Now there's organizations trying to get better, yeah. but soccer is so organized, Max, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you guys have a curriculum, you have certification. Yeah. Our coaches in basketball are not certified. You can basically come off the street. Um, tell me, tell me, first of all, what the difference you see, the advantages and disadvantages and um, how do you put together a soccer skill development curriculum for your for your program what's what's your progression how do you do it um well i think i think there's there's obviously a lot of there's there's a lot of differences but then i think there's also a lot of similarities in terms of of how you build something out so i remember when i was before i got into the college that being here at pepperdine i was also the director of a club and i remember as i was i was trying to help this club grow and develop. And I, and I, and I was the director. So again, this idea of the, the top down. So everybody was looking to me to say, okay, how is, how are we going to do? What are we going to value? What are we going to prioritize? And so, so it was my job to implement a system that everybody could implement. And so, so yeah, I think that, that the technical work at the younger ages, and I think even now with our, with our current team, what you find is, is that we will get players um, here at Pepperdine, high, high level players, high level athletes, but oftentimes they might be missing some crucial components to their game because of what they may or may not have got in their training as a, as a younger player. And so I think that the technical development and the, the specific specificity with which, um, we, we've, we use that the, the the kind of the technical aspects. I know you're a big fan of that, right? I mean, I know I remember you being being somebody who was always very very big on the fundamentals and and making sure you teach those. And so, for us, this is where I'm going with it. So being at, being at the college level, like we have to work a lot on tactics. We have to work a lot on systems. Like when we're playing against you know um, one school, we might have to play one way, and then we move to uh, play a, a different team. Like we typically play Fridays and Sundays. So on Friday, we might have to prepare in one way. And then on Sunday, we might have to flip our whole system and, and play a different way or play a different style to suit the needs for that game. Um, but in that buildup, what will never change is the need for fundamentals, is the need to technically be sound in what you do. In the same way, I would, I would attribute to like shooting, right? You know, like you can have all of the, all of the, the, the plays laid out and you can and all these different picks and you can, but if you get that shooter into the right spot, but if they can't make that shot, then really the play isn't successful. And it's the same thing with our players. Like we, ha we have to be flexible in our, in our tactical assessment of, of how we're going to prepare for games, but it all means nothing unless technically our players can handle the ball. And so even at the highest level for us, um, we require, and we always start with, 
fundamentals. We always start with passing. We always start with control. We always start, we always start with something that helps our players develop and grow. And I think ultimately that, that then has allowed us to have some success with, some, with a lot of our players going on and playing professionally. So, cause you know, a lot of people are doing the same thing, you know, like there's no great mystery to what we do. We, we kind of run the same sessions that I would imagine a lot of other um, high level programs across the country um, put on. But I think it's what you require within the practice. And I think that is key. I think that was something that, you know, um, I think should be highlighted is, is that 10 coaches could put on the same practice, but what you require from that practice will change based on the coach. And the demands that you put on that practice differ from, from the coach. And what you're looking for as a coach within that practice is going to differ from coach to coach. And so ultimately, it's not necessarily about what you put on, but it's, it's what you, what you coach within that, you know what I'm saying? And it's what you demand from your players within that. And so we demand our players, uh, even though we don't, again, we, we don't do anything necessarily maybe different, but what we do demand our players is that they have a high level of technical proficiency. And I think that's allowed our players to not only be successful at this level, but also a lot of our players that want to go and play professional, they will go and play professional. Like right now we had, we had three girls that got drafted this year that are now going to play professionally. I think we have five or six players currently in the NWSL that are playing uh, professionally. We have one girl who's in the midst of, she's on, she's on the fringes of the national team trying to make the World Cup this summer. Our goalkeeper coach is going to play uh, for Chile in the World Cup this summer. So, you know, we have we have a touch on, we have girls playing in Europe all across the world. We have girls in England and Australia. And so we have a lot of players all across the country that are playing. And I think when, if you ask them, what was what was it that helped them? I think it was, it was the technical um, demands that we put on our players within our practice. So, um, so no, I don't, I'm not, I kind of veered off a little bit, but I think that goes back to when you look at the younger ages, that's why, technical proficiency and in and, and the technical progression at younger ages is so so important so what's done at the younger ages to help players become more technically proficient i think is so important because ultimately it helps them as they progress through the stages um going from you know club to high school to college to professional hopefully to national team and so on and so forth so um yeah the, the technical side is something that will never change and it's something that we we talk about a lot within our program Mac, I, I, I always look at, and I'm, I'm trying to relate, you know, basketball to soccer because I think there's a lot of similarities, don't you think? Yes, I mean, absolutely. Uh, with the whole game, um, I'm thinking about where, where most coaches struggle is how much foundational basic skills do you teach? Mm -hmm. And then you have to make, you have to have your fundamentals apply to what you do offensively and defensively, right? Because I think a lot of coaches get disconnected there where their drills don't match with their their schemes. Got it. <laughs> you know, yes. so how do you do it in soccer? Maybe it's easier in I don't know, but how do you all do that? How do you make sure that there's a cohesive match there between the two? Kevin, this is well, if you get the if you if you have a have an answer, um I I <laughs> I would love to know that too. I mean, I think that uh, I think that uh, one of the things I say is this: is is knowing knowing what you want, and it's, it's almost like starting with the end in mind, right? So, so working back from there. So it's like a lot of times you might say, "Oh, I like this practice," and I know I've done this before as a young coach. You look and say, "Oh, I like that practice," but you don't necessarily know how it fits into the scheme of what you're trying to the outcome that you're trying to get. 
you know and so just because it's a good practice does it actually fit so i remember some sometimes somebody some well, uh, a coach a really great coach uh, a few years back and he challenged me to think of it a little differently what he said is is a lot of times we think about what we you know the practices that we want to do and what's important and so on and so forth and he, he challenged me he said you know let me ask you this way he said when it comes to like your program and your practices like we all get the same amount of time generally right he's like but what can you afford to leave out and i'm like oh that is not the same he's like but it's not really the same thing he's like what can you afford to leave out there are so many things that we want to do and so there are certain there's probably certain practice certain drills that you know work for your team or that you they might enjoy doing but but it's like what can you afford to leave out like if there is 50 things that you want to do but you can only do 10 of them what are the 40 things that you can afford to leave out? You know what I'm saying? And, and what that challenges you to do as a coach is it challenges you to get very clear on the outcome that you're trying to, trying to get for your team. And what it is, and when I say outcome, you know, what is the change that you're trying to make within your team? Where are you trying to, where are you trying to get your team to, you know? And so when you only have a certain amount of time and you only have a certain amount of practice, you have to get very, very aligned with what is most important within your culture, within your program, and I think that can be said about a lot of things, but from a, from a practice standpoint. So we, we do a lot of work in our office where we'll plan practice for, you know, we'll probably spend as much time planning practice as the actual practice itself. And a lot of times we're, right. we're asking ourselves, not necessarily what do we want to do, but what can we afford to leave out? Because we know we want to work on this, this, and this, but maybe, maybe this one thing is the most important thing. And so you have to challenge yourself. What can you afford to leave out? So I know it was, it was a different way that a, a really high level coach and he challenged me to think that way. And it really did change the way I approached or we approached practice and, and our, the way we plan for practice. Um, but you but yeah, you're, 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 uh, you're right. If you, if you have any, any, uh, any good answers to that, I, I'm always looking for the, the keys to that. That's, that's a great question. Right. And we can't be great at everything. Right. right, Max. And I think I'm guilty. I'm guilty as anybody. I think you have to have, and I tell you what I do and I want your opinion. I have my top three priorities for my mm -hmm. program. Um, and of course this year we're focusing on rebounding. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, we're focusing on taking care of the ball. And thirdly, we're focusing on um, defensive stop, preventing shots in mm -hmm. the paint. Because uh, I think I think all those things are controllables, so, and that's what we focus on. We 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 emphasize. No, we don't forget about other stuff, but those are the things that kind of every day we work yep. on. And I, I just believe you got to have priorities. If not, you get scattered mm -hmm. brain. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, particularly at the high school level, and we don't have as many skilled players sure. as you might have sure. at Pepperdine. Sure. What do you think about that? I to totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna you're going to get what you do. Like, if, like, um, so Marv Dunphy, Marv Dunphy is a, is a, is a volleyball coach here at Pepperdine. He's been here for 30 plus years. He's, he's been, goodness me, I think he's won three or four gold medals at the Olympics. He's been to the last 10 Olympics. I think he is like, he's, he's like the John Wooden of volleyball. Right. And if you, yeah, I've and, heard of him. yeah. And Marv Dunphy, he's just a wealth of knowledge and, and, um, he comes by my office all the time and we sit down and we have these amazing chats and we talk about, we talk about volleyball, we talk about soccer, we talk about coaching, we talk about life, we talk about everything. And, you know, he's, he's a big proponent. He says, look, he's like, if it's important, do it every day. You know, 
and is and it, he has these like phrases and they're so short but they they carry so much weight and i remember one time he sat in my office and we were talking about things he's like you know if it's important do it every day you know and so it again it goes back to questioning like how do we how do we how do we do our training weeks like if it's important what things are we doing repeatedly, you know, because what you do repeatedly, ultimately you're going to get good at. And so, um, so yeah, like those choosing those things are really, really important. If you like, I like that thing where you say about having three things that you're focused on, but how much you do it ultimately is going to have a big, how, how good you get at it, you know? And it, I look about it, this too. So when I think, so talking about like mindset, cause I, one of the things I also do a lot of is, is not just with the tactical side, but, but kind of the, the sports psychology and the, and, and the, and the, and the mindset side. Um, so one of the things that we talk about is this idea of the compound effect. Right. And so, so when I speak to a lot of, a lot of um, athletes and coaches or, or anybody really, and they're asking this question like, well, how long does it take to get really good at something? Because oftentimes I, I look at it like, call it like compressed time. Oftentimes as coaches, we might do something once or twice and we may or may not see the benefit of doing that particular drill or, or emphasizing that particular thing because we haven't given it enough time to really see the fruits of its labor. And so we're like, oh, it's not working. And so then we go to something else and then we go to, and then we end up getting pretty good at a lot of things, but not great at any one thing. And, right. and so it's the, like we call it the aggregation of marginal gains. Like if you were to look at doing the same thing or to a couple of different things and you were to do, you know, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like if you were to practice, you know, rebounding, what, what was your three things, coach? What did you say? Rebounding. Uh, taking care of the ball. Cause really at the girls level, you know, the girls, there's a lot of turnovers and you probably saw it. I don't know how many times, <laughs> but, um, but I just feel yeah, taking care of the ball, valuing possessions and then lastly is defensive stops, preventing shots on what I call the red right. zone. Uh, those are my three, right. yeah. So if you took two of those things and you, and you practiced them, and as you, like we said before, and you, and, you, and you took the time to practice it every single day, the aggregation of marginal gain says that over time, like getting, getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better, like it's invisible in the moment. But given enough time over the course of the season – you're going to end up in a completely different space and in a completely different place than if you were to not do it. And so the 10, 20 minutes that you're applying to that practice, well, the compounding effect of those 20 minutes each and every day adds up to a significant change and a significant um, increase in your ability to perform that skill over the course of time. It's just like, like I say, as coaches, because we want to fit so many things in, we might do one thing for 20 minutes and then another thing for 20 minutes. And then we never really get good at doing anything. So it's this idea. It's like, I mean, this is a crazy analogy, but it's like, if I said to you, um, you know, you go to a, go to a restaurant and you have the choice between the burger and the salad, right? Well, eating the burger one time, the burger and fries, probably not a significant choice. It's like, yeah, no problem. But, Every time you go to the restaurant, if you have a burger and fries every single time, the compounding effect of having burger and fries over time, eventually you're going to get to a place where you're going to look back and you say, man, why am I a little bit heavier? Why do I feel a little more lethargic? Why do I, why do, why do I, um, why am I not able to move as much? Why, why do I constantly yeah, feel tired every morning? Why do I look different? Right. 
but it's the compounding effect of just making that one choice each and every day. And then the same thing with the salad. You know, if you're like eating one salad one time, seemingly insignificant, doesn't seem like a lot. But if you do eat that salad every single time over the course of time, the trajectory of that path is going to be very different to the burger. And you're going to end up, you're going to be leaner, you're going to be meaner, you're going to be healthier, you're going to be more vibrant, you're going to have more energy, you're going to show up way differently. And the only difference was the compounding effect of those small choices. And so I look at practices the same way. It's like doing one thing one time, probably not going to make a huge difference. But, but over the course of time, making smart choices will have an effect. You could even look at this, Kevin. Now, now you've got me on a tangent. But you, you could even, it's the idea of like <laughs> shouting at your players like when they do something wrong versus encouraging. Shouting in the moment and berating a player one time may not make much of a difference. But over time, consistently using negative language versus positive language over the course of time, it will create a very different place in, which, in what you're able to get from those players over the course of time. Um, and and, it, and I mean, we could, I could go on and give you many different examples, but it's, it's this idea of compressed time. If I was to look, if I was to tell you that in, you know, in, in six months, that if you ate the burger in six months time, you'd be 20 pounds overweight and you'd have to go to the doctors and then, you know, they're going to put you on. Would you, would you eat the burgers? Probably not. You know, if I guaranteed you that in six months, by eating the salad, you were going to be lean, mean, fighting machine, healthy, vibrant. You're going to invite all of these amazing things into your life. Your life will change for, for in extraordinary ways. Would you do it? Absolutely. But it's because we don't have that long-term view. We can't, we can't look far enough into the future to see it happen. It's like if I was to say to you with your basketball team, I could guarantee you that you would win a championship if you – for 20 minutes every single day, you practice the same thing. You worked on rebounding that it would guarantee you a championship. Would you do it? Absolutely. But because you can't necessarily see that far enough into the future, then you may, you may miss out on the compounding effect of doing those small things. So, so I say to our teams, when you compress time and you can, and I think this is what the greats do. They have a, they have a way of taking the future and bringing it to the present. And they know that the little choices day in and day out will have a significant impact on the long-term trajectory of their lives and their performance and their teams and so on and so forth. And so, um, I know I, I got off on a little tangent, but does that make sense? It's this, the idea of the, the uh, it makes the a lot of sense. I love compounding it. Compounding effect. I just think it's a, it's a huge thing. And, it, and oftentimes it can, it can, uh, it can be the thing that helps us get to the next level, or it can be the very thing that, that prevents us from getting to the next level. Yeah. And ultimately what you're saying is you got to have self-discipline, yes, right? Absolutely. Or have coaches that push you, demand that mm-hmm. of you, because that's hard to do because our society is about instant, man. We instant gratification. So how do you, you get, you, it has to be part of your culture, right? Because if not, man, we're going for the instant gratification. We're going for the chocolate yep, cake. Absolutely. absolutely. And that's, <laughs> that's I mean, it. That's it. And we all love our chocolate cake. And um, that's it. And that's it. That's it. And, uh, and I myself too, but, but setting up, setting up systems and putting things in place, like you say, having that, that discipline um, is, is a huge part of navigating that, that 
short term but short term gain versus long time you know or short term pain versus long time long term pleasure type thing you know the short term long term gain is uh, it, it's it's an, it's an important factor for sure Max, I really want to kind of complete our podcast with, I want you to talk about what you're doing outside of soccer. And you call the, uh, I, I love it, the L2, uh, live it to the max, yeah, right? And I, I've been studying that, man. I love what you're doing. Uh, tell our audience, because I really want to share this with a lot of people. I want, to, I want to make sure that not only my listeners, but we can get this out to more people. Um, my first question is, what do you mean by going from good to great? So, all right, this, this, is, this is a huge passion of mine. And um, basically, it partnered, it partnered a few years ago when I was working in Illinois. And I was working at Division II school at, when I was working with the men's program. And, and I, at the Division II level, I saw, I saw a lot of athletes and I saw a lot of um, potential. And I saw a lot of people that were good, but I knew there was the potential to be great. And so that began me trying to figure out, so figure out like how I could, how I could help these kids, right. And how I could help these athletes. And so I went to the, um, the uh, head of the psychology department. He's also the faculty athletic rep at that school I was at. And I, and I went to him and I said, Hey, as somebody who is interested in psychology, we need to put together a program that is going to help these players and these teams and these athletes and these coaches understand the small shifts that can create a lifestyle that moves you from just accepting mediocrity and doing the things that can elevate you to that next level of, you know, like say greatness going from good to great. And so Marcel Yoda, that was his name. Uh, and I, we put together this program and we, we pitched it to the, to the athletic department. And I began by working with the soccer teams and my wife's volleyball team. And there was some immediate traction. People were starting to understand and see the benefits of some of these things. And so by the time we got done uh, at the end of that, that, that school year, we were working with every program in the, in the athletic department. And we saw some extreme changes, and not just changes in results, but ch- changes, changes in, in the way athletes felt about themselves, the way athletes were being more confident, the way they were dealing with things socially. Um, and there were just a lot of benefits that were stemming from this. So so this took on some, took on some, uh, some momentum. And then that began for me what has now become my, my passion, which is not only just to be a, a soccer coach, but to also help um, people understand what it really takes to live a lifestyle where you're living into your full potential, to live in not just an ordinary life, but an extraordinary life, or not just a good life, but a great, but a great life. And so I now have this program called L2TM, which is Life to the Max, and I do it here at Pepperdine, so I work with all of our programs, all of our sports teams here at Pepperdine, so not just the women's soccer program, but I work with all the other Pepperdine soccer programs. I work with other local sports teams and, and businesses, but it's, it's just the concept of understanding that there are some, some small, seemingly insignificant shifts, but if we make those shifts, it has the power to move us from just having a good program to having a great program, and that's, and that's exactly what happened here at Pepperdine. We went from a team that that has been on the periphery and done pretty well. And then two of the last three years, we won, we won back-to-back conference championships. We, we never, that had never, ever happened before within our program. But we went and we won back-to-back conference championships using these principles. Um, but it's not just, again, it's not just about the results that happen on the, on, the, on, the, on the playing field, but it's about teaching the life skills necessary to navigate 
some of the toughest parts of our life and the challenges that we all go through as athletes and coaches, right? Um, the fear of failure and some of these things or the fear of success. I mean, that's something we don't talk about. A lot of people talk about, you know, the fear of failure, but then there, there are some athletes that have a fear of success. Like what if, you know, what if things don't work out? But then there are some people who say, well, what if it do, does work out and I can't handle it? So, so being able to have the tools necessary to live into your greatness or to be, to be extraordinary, like that takes, that takes certain skill sets. And so being able to um, help coaches and help athletes live that, that lifestyle has been a true blessing for me. And, um, and again, not only, not only is it good for, for their ability to be, to, to perform at the highest level as an athlete in a high performance world, it's the life skills that I learned to. Give me an example of maybe even one person you worked with. Um, so our, our, our audience can kind of get a feel for what you do. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's a player that, um, struggles with confidence and I, but actually go let's go more detail I coach girls mm-hmm. girls lack confidence mm-hmm. how can how can I teach confidence into my my female players got, got it how can you help well, me? so the, the the example I can give the example I can give is of a of a young lady who's actually performed she's a professional now um, she plays for West Ham which is a professional team in England and so this is a young lady her name's Brie Vasali and it's a, it's a really cool success story. So she basically, she came in to play at Pepperdine and she, she was, she was just like any other athlete. I'm sure, you know, a lot, it doesn't matter high school, college, whatever. There, there's a lot of people that have high, go back to this idea of perfectionism, have high standards and, and, and high, high needs for themselves. Right. And so this, this young lady, Brie Vassala, she came in, she's a very, very good soccer player. She came into Pepperdine and in her freshman year, she, she sort of said to me one day, she said, Hey coach, can, can I, can I come by the office and, and can you be my mentor? And I'm, well, I'm like, I'm, I'm your coach, you know? So of course I'm going to, she's no, I don't, I know you're my coach, but I want you to be my mentor. I want this to like, you know, figure out how I can achieve all these things I want to achieve. And I want you to like personally, like take me through this process that, that I'm talking to you about this, this L2TM program. I said, sure, let's come by the office. So she comes by the office and I said, look, Brie, let's start out. Tell me what does the next four years look like for you? Okay. Kev, this is what she says to me. So she says, and she's a freshman. Right. And she goes, well, I want to be the best player on the team. I want to be the top goal scorer on the team. I want to be the player of the year in the conference. I want to be an All-American. I want to play professionally. And I ultimately want to play on the national team. And I'm like, and I'm like, <laughs> is that it? Like, goodness me, like that, that you know, that's all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and right. so I'm like, okay. So we, so we started to lay a, we started to lay a, a process in place. Right. So I always talk about this, like see it as it is, but not worse than it is. See things better than they are. And then, take the necessary steps to get from where you are to where you want to be. So we started to put the plans in place to help her get from, to get help her get from where she, she was to where she wanted to be. So she was a good player, but freshman year, things didn't quite work out the way she wanted to. And then we get into a sophomore year and she did really well, but she had such high expectations for herself that she could never meet them. So even though she was performing at a really high level, she had this level, this, lack of confidence like I suck and this is not working and I'm not good enough and da, 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 because she wasn't meeting those levels that she that she that she had talked about and so we get into a junior and she had an incredible season like we win the championship and and she still is like sucks I can't believe it so and so won the player of the year I'm better than her and like there was all this there was there was this focus on all the uncontrollables right and so long story short I brought in the office 
And I said to her, Brie, I said, let's talk about this. And she started to tell me, well, I want this and I want that. And she went back all the way through her goals and her wants. And I said, and this was the turning point for her career. I said, Brie, I said, stop telling me what you want and start telling me who you need to be. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, you can talk to me all day long about what you want. But until we make that shift, that small shift, and turn our focus and put it on who we need to become, that's when you're going to see the difference. And so we changed like what she was focused on. So instead of being so goal-oriented and so focused on the outcome, we put it back on the process and we started to figure out who she needed to be. And without getting into great detail, but then she changed every, go back to that compressed time. We made her see that the little choices that she, she's making over time has the potential, that trajectory, right? Um, over time will have the power to change everything and so we talked about her lifestyle we talked about what she was doing off the field and on the field extra practice coming in doing on all these different things so six months later six months later she finishes out her senior year she was the best player on our team she was the top goal scorer on our team she was the player of the year in the conference she was an all-american she got drafted in the first round of the professional league in the nwsl and as soon as she got drafted a week and a half later the national team calls her up and invites her international camp. And it sounds so like, you know, mythical. It's like, oh, you know, how could, you know, that's crazy. But all she did was shift her mindset. She was so focused on the outer world that she really hadn't put her, her, her intention and her energy into her inner world. And I talk about this a lot. Like everybody in life wants to have an extraordinary life. You know, we all do, whether a coach player, no matter, like whether it's sports or not, everybody wants to have an extraordinary life. But an extraordinary life comes from having extraordinary emotions. It's not where you live physically, it's where you live emotionally. And so we had to shift her emotional home where she was living. She was so focused on everybody else and everything else, and she was blaming people, and it's her fault, and da-da-da. And all we did was shift, shift her emotional home to one of strength and one of power and one of confidence and one that she could control. And we said... You need to figure out who you need to become and focus on that, you know. And then on top of that, little things were happening. So we talk about who she needed to become or she needed to become a team player. So she started to focus less on her. She wanted to be a top goal scorer. Well, by focusing more on helping other teammates score, guess what she did more? She scored. By assisting more, she scored more. So all these small shifts, this sh these shifts in energy. And, it's, and again, it seems so simple and you're like, you know, how, how could it be that simple? But it really was. It was, it was about having her shift her, her, her emotional home to one where the game was not about trying to be perfect, but it was about living in gratefulness. Going back to the love of the game, what you said at day one. It's like we try to make her believe again that perfection and the pursuit, becoming, getting on the national team really isn't, isn't, the most important thing. The most important thing is that you love the game. The most important thing is that you wake up every day and say, I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful to be able to play this game. I'm so grateful to do it with sisters that I love and care about. And I get to go to battle with these, with these ladies, you know, put your energy in them, you know, and through that process, everything that she wanted came true. And, you know, I, there was a lot that went into it, but if I could say, Kevin, what it really was, was simply shifting her mindset from 
what she wanted to who she needed to become. And that was it. And that's kind of, there are, there are other shifts that, that I believe are important. And I could, we could talk about this for a long time, but that is one shift of a, few, of a few simple shifts that once you make them, and I think they're countercultural. This is the last thing I'd say. I think they're countercultural to what most people believe. Most people believe that you have to be so driven by goals and driven by outcome. But as I said before, for Pepperdine Soccer, the minute we start focusing on the outcome, we've won more than we've ever won before in the history of the program as soon as we took our eyes off of winning. And the same thing happened with Brie. As soon as she took her eyes off of what she wanted and put it more on who she needed to become on her inner world, then she got everything she wanted. And so it's these, these what, what might be deemed normal in a high-performance, high-competitive environment, I believe doing the opposite. I think, and when you do those things, and again, um, it can lead to some pretty, pretty, pretty amazing things. Um, not just amazing results on the field, but amazing results in life, you know? The, the balance between success and fulfillment is a tricky one. I know so many people that are really successful, but they're not happy. And that, that right. to me is a tragedy. So that's one of the ways I think this whole Life to the Max program, this, this way of life is about, is about understanding is that I call it a super achiever. Like you can, you can achieve at the highest level, but if you're not fulfilled and happy doing it, that's not a way to live. But the super achievers, the ones that really get it, are the ones that can achieve at the highest, highest level but they, they're also fulfilled and they're also happy and they also make other people around better. And when you can become that type of achiever, you know, that's gold. And that's where for me, the passion yeah, lies. Yeah, I love that. That's where yeah. the passion lies for me is, is helping people understand how to achieve at the highest level whilst also really giving back to what it's about, which is loving the game, loving the people you're with, being grateful, being appreciative, and truly giving back for everything that, that you've been blessed with, you know? So, so that's what, that's what the whole program is about. Yeah. I love that. that that's a great example. That's a, that's a great imagery right there. I was kind of following <laughs> you kind of, you know, imagine what kind of player, what kind of kid this was, because we all deal with that. I have high achievers here at my, my school. We're a very small school. I have, I have one girl. It's a sophomore <laughs> max. I love to have you talk sure. to her. Matter of fact, I, w- I want to make sure we stay connected. She's going to be a high-level Division One player. She's a sophomore. She's yeah. young. Um, and it's funny how my coaching gets better when I have really good players. <laughs> <laughs> but she's a great yeah, kid. Yeah. But she struggles with some of the same things you're talking about. Well, I, I, Tell me what – this is what I believe in, and it could be crazy. And I, It's the same thing. I love that term shifting the mindset and shifting her emotional home. Those are great slogans, great phrases. I believe that a great program, you win even when you lose. Yeah. And that is you have the same mindset that the the scoreboard does not indicate whether you're successful or not. I think that's so important. The more I get older, and that's one of my main philosophies, and I'll give you an example of that. Our girls – after wins and losses, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of joy. Um, and even after losses, when the coaches, we all come into the locker room, we're all giving high fives. We're all celebrating. Uh, I remember one example this year where we were down by 20 in a state tournament game. And the girls still had that joy. And, the, you know, they, but, and they, they came out the third quarter and really played really hard up to their mm-hmm. abilities 
And I feel like, man, our culture is really coming along because it's not all we, we weren't right. winning, but we right. were winning. Absolutely. I mean, tell me about, tell me about yeah, that. Mike. It's the, 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 the immediate thing that comes to my head is, is um, Carol Dweck, right? Carol Dweck, she has a great, great book on mindset. She's the one that, 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 that built the yes. process of fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And in her book, there's something where she says, you know, um, if you're somebody when you win, what does that make you when you lose? You know, if you're somebody when you win, what does that make you when you lose? And it's, it's just exactly to your point. What you're saying is, is in, in a competitive world, in a high performance world, we are driven. Did you win? Did you lose? Right. That's, that's typically when you, after, a, after, um, you know, a, a basketball game, your, your players, they probably get in the car and generally I'd imagine there's no offense to parents, but probably the first few questions they get asked, did you win? How much, how much yeah. did you play and how many points did you score? And basically what they're, right, what, right, they're, what, sure. they're what they're saying is, is your whole value is determined off of, did you play? Did you score? And did you win? And that's not always the case, right? As you, as you just said, sometimes you can play lights out and you can learn a lot from a loss and you can also be successful and win a game and not play well and not really learn much. So, so when we take our, again, that, that kind of that concept of what we're choosing to focus on, right? I say this a lot where focus goes, energy flows, what you focus on, you're going to feel and what you focus on, you're going to get more of, right? And so wherever your focus is, is where you're laying your, you know, the, the, your, your, what you value to be most important, right? And so it's like effort, you know, it's, it, it, I can think about in terms of effort. So it's like when some people you see when the game will go back to basketball. So maybe you're down by 15 or 20. What do you notice sometimes about, about the level of, of play from the players that are down? All of a sudden, the energy level shifts and it drops. Well, I would question and say, should it matter whether you're up by 20 or down by 20? You should always be giving your very, very best, playing as hard as you can, you know, being a team player and it shouldn't change. And you see some teams when they get up by 20, they start to try things they wouldn't normally try. And it's like, well, well, that basically means that you're so focused on the result. If, if you take the result out of it, it shouldn't matter whether you're up by 20, down by 20, or if it's a, a one point game, you know, and there's five, it shouldn't matter. What should matter is, is that you play the game the way it's supposed to be played, you know? Um, and you do the things that are ultimately going to make, make you successful and help you live into who you're meant to be, you know? Um, and because, the last thing I say that comes to mind with this is we talk about this a lot with our players. Um, we have a high performance environment and we have some really, really good players and they sometimes don't get to play. Like we have some girls that are not able to play as much as they would like. And yet they're amazing players and they're amazing human beings and they are beautiful inside and out. And yet if all they do is value themselves based on did they play or did they not play? then that's a tough place to be. So we try to remind our players, we say your value doesn't come from what you do, it comes from who you are, you know? Your value doesn't come from what you do, it comes from who you are. And we remind them, it doesn't matter whether you play 90 minutes or a minute. It doesn't matter whether you score all the goals or none of the goals. What matters is, is that you know that you're loved, you're cared about, and you're in an environment where you're going to get better and you're going to grow. And that's the value, is, is knowing that you are in the place that you're meant to be and you're living into who you're meant to become. That's, that's the standard, you know? Um, and so, again, Life to the Max program is, is, is navigating that, helping players see through what other people might evaluate them as important. Did you play? Did you score? You know, all those things. Did you win? So your value doesn't come from what you do. It comes from who you are, who you are as a person. And go back to Brie Vasali. That's what we had to ship. She put all of her value 
in was she going to make the national team was she going to become a professional was she going to be a whole value came in that and so once we shifted a value from that to living into who she was meant to become who god blessed her to be you were put on this earth to make a difference in this world live into that who are you meant to become we challenged it to you know i challenged it to live into that and when that became her value living into becoming the very best person that she could be everything else took care of itself you know but it's that shift in mindset, you know, it's that emotional home and constructing where we gain our power from, you know? Um, so Kevin, you got me going, you got me rolling. You got me. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Hey, we can go, Hey, we can have like two or three more podcasts on that. Cause I, I think that's so vital. Not only, I, I, I hate to say it. I, I think there's more problems on the men's side with that. I think the women are actually very acceptable to that, that change. I know it's difficult, but I, um, but Max, I, I just want to tell you, I mean, thanks for sharing your vision, man. This is what my podcast is all about. Yeah, um, and I really appreciate you taking the time out and Hey, can you, uh, if there's coaches that want to get a hold of you, I have all your information, yeah. um, on podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. but how can anybody, how can any coach get a hold of you and want to pick your brain on soccer or your website what can they do i think the the easiest be i have my, I have my, I have my website so it's www.maxrook m-a-x-r-o-o-k-e maxrook.com so www.maxrook.com there's there's a lot of uh ways to subscribe to i have these free uh free newsletters and i have i do videos they're all it's all free um and so yeah so there's great content on there and then also there's a way in which you can contact me through there um, and then also social media. So Twitter, I have at Max, at Max underscore Rook. I have a Like to the Max page on Facebook. There's an Instagram page. You can do Max J Rook. So social media, website, um, they say, you've got my info. Uh, you've got my email address. So yeah, any, any, anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, very, very grateful, Kevin, that you allowed me to be on, the, on, on today's show. And um, I'm really appreciative. Hopefully it was beneficial. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm here to serve and I'm, I'm here to get better myself, but if I can help others get better and if anybody wants to reach out, then I'll be more than happy to, to talk more with them at any stage. Coach, thanks again, man. I, I, first of all, I enjoy hearing your voice <laughs> again, man. I love your, I, I love your, uh, your passion, your joy, man. You've always, you always brought a smile to my face. Um, and of course you miss all my, my, my PE sayings. You remember all <laughs> yes. those? You, you, you were the man. I mean, we, we, you, yeah. you, you were the man. So I, I literally, I say, I, for, I want this for the record. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the, to everybody else now, and I just want to let you know that Kevin is. You were one of the reasons why I do what I do today. There's some, there's, there's. I'm sure we could all have special people that cross our lives, and um, at different points in our life. And you know that they, they touch your life in a special way. And you did that for me and when I was an, when I was a young coach and an early coach. Um, so I, again, I want to thank you for that. And to the, to the, to the, to the, you know, the people that are listening, just uh, Kevin is a great guy. And I just, uh, I will forever be thankful for you helping me get to where I am today. Max, the feelings mutual, man. You meant a lot to me, man, just with your, your great positive energy and you are a, you're, you're a coach on the rise, my friend, just because you just have great passion. You're going to, you're going to do something. You're already doing something great. And it's just a, just a pleasure talking appreciate to you it. again, coach. Thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Right. It's been fun. Take care. Thanks, Kevin. See you. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Max. All right. Bye. 
This is Alan Stein Jr. My new book, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best, will be available from all major book retailers on January 8th. Raise Your Game takes a rare peek behind the curtain and shows you what the top coaches and players in the game do during the unseen hours. I share their routines, rituals, and habits, as well as proven strategies that you can implement with your team immediately. If you want to maximize your coaching impact and influence, order your copy today at RaiseYourGameBook.com.